Hello and welcome to episode four of Alice is Everywhere. Today we will read and discuss chapter four of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland entitled The Rabbit Sends in a Little Bill. But first, we're going to start this episode with a new segment I'm going to call Things I Should Have Told You. Now, Things I Should Have Told You may not necessarily be about the book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, although honestly, there are about a million more things I could have told you about the chapters we've read already. There are just so many layers and jokes and fun facts that can enhance one's enjoyment of the book. But I'm trying not to overwhelm you with minutia, and I am also trying to keep each episode between 20 and 25 minutes, which is a prime example of things I should have told you. You can count on each episode of Alice's Everywhere to be 20 to 25 minutes. As for the rate I am publishing the podcast, eventually Alice's Everywhere will be weekly, but for the first 12 episodes I'm releasing them kind of fast and furious because the first 12 episodes mostly consist of the first 12 chapters of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, and I don't want you to have to wait a whole week in between the chapters. And I'm hoping you love the book so much and tolerate my chatter so well that you will want to listen to the book more quickly than just one chapter per week. Another thing I should have told you is I have a website. It's also called Alice's Everywhere. I think I briefly mentioned it once, but what I didn't mention is that there is an accompanying blog post for each podcast episode. Every accompanying blog post includes an episode summary, a few vocabulary words for young listeners, famous quotes from the chapter, the original illustrations by John Tenniel, and the entire text of the chapter by Lewis Carroll. So that if you want, you can read along with me, or you can go back and review after you've listened to the podcast. If you are wondering why I can take text and pictures that are totally not mine and post them on a website, or even read words that aren't mine on a podcast, it's because the copyright for Alice's Adventures in Wonderland expired in 1907. As far as I know, you, at home, could publish your own version of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland and illustrate it with stick figures, and you would be totally in the clear. You could also start your own podcast, reading aloud Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. I'd rather you didn't. Seems like that would be kind of rude, but you could. A lot of works from Victorian times have long-expired copyrights, which is why every single TV show in history has had an episode based on A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. The copyright for Tunniel's original illustrations is also long expired, which is why you see so very many t-shirts and notebooks and jewelry for sale using his wonderful imagery. In conclusion, please, before or after you listen to an episode of Alice's Everywhere, go ahead and visit aliceseverywhere.com. Click on the podcast, and you'll see a list of accompanying blog posts for your reading pleasure. And if you find yourself getting really interested in Alice and Lewis Carroll, click on the blog while you're there. The website has been up since July 2015, so I've got a nice little collection of articles on topics ranging from the origins of the books to movie reviews to Alice in Wonderland Halloween costumes to how to have a very Alice in Wonderland day in Las Vegas. It's a lot of fun, if I do say so myself, and I'm not alone in that assessment. My husband told me that the site is really well done, and I quote, I wish I knew about a nerdy site like this for something that I'm actually interested in. End quote. So, there's, there's some high praise there. 
enough about my website, aliceseverywhere.com. Let's check in with Alice, shall we? When we last left our hero, she had offended all her new bird and rodent friends by yapping about her cat, Dinah. And she was feeling kind of lonely down in Wonderland all by herself. And she had just heard the patter of little feet in the distance and looked up to see who it was. Chapter 4, The Rabbit Sends in a Little Bill. It was the white rabbit, trotting slowly back again and looking anxiously about as it went, as if it had lost something, and she heard it muttering to itself, Oh, the duchess, the duchess, oh, my dear paws, oh, my fur and whiskers, she'll get me executed as sure as ferrets are ferrets. Where can I have dropped them, I wonder? Alice guessed in a moment that it was looking for the fan and the pair of white kid gloves, and she very good-naturedly began hunting about for them, but they were nowhere to be seen. Everything seemed to have changed since her swim in the pool and the great hall with the glass table and the little door had vanished completely. Very soon the rabbit noticed Alice as she went hunting about and called out to her in an angry tone, Why, Mary Ann, what are you doing out here? Run home this moment and fetch me a pair of gloves and a fan. Quick now! And Alice was so much frightened that she ran off at once in the direction it pointed to without trying to explain the mistake that it had made. They took me for his housemaid, she said to herself as she ran. How surprised he'll be when he finds out who I am. But I'd better take him his fan and gloves. That is, if I can find them. As she said this, she came upon a neat little house, on the door of which was a bright brass plate with the name W. Rabbit engraved upon it. She went in without knocking and hurried upstairs, in great fear lest she should meet the real Marianne and be turned out of the house before she had found the fan and gloves. How queer it seems, Alice said to herself, to be going messages for a rabbit. I suppose Dinah will be sending me on messages next. And she began fancying the sort of thing that would happen. Miss Alice, come here directly and get ready for your walk. Oh, coming in a minute, nurse, but I've got to watch this mouse hole till Dinah comes back and see that the mouse doesn't get out. Only I don't think, Alice went on, that they'd let Dinah stop in the house if it began ordering people about like that. By this time she had found her way into a tidy little room with a table in the window, and on it, as she had hoped, a fan and two or three pairs of tiny white kid gloves. She took up the fan and a pair of the gloves and was just going to leave the room when her eye fell upon a little bottle that stood near the looking glass. There was no label this time with the words drink me, but nevertheless she uncorked it and put it to her lips. I know something interesting is sure to happen, she said to herself, whenever I drink or eat anything, so I'll just see what this bottle does. I do hope it'll make me grow large again, for really I'm quite tired of being such a tiny little thing. It did so indeed, and much sooner than she had expected. Before she had drunk half the bottle, she found her head pressing against the ceiling and had to stoop to save her neck from being broken. She hastily put down the bottle, saying to herself, Well, that's quite enough. I hope I shan't grow any more. As it is, I can't get out at the door. Oh, I do wish I hadn't drunk quite so much. Alas, it was too late to wish that. She went on growing and growing, and very soon had to kneel down on the floor. In another minute, there was not even room for this, and she tried the effect of lying down with one elbow against the door, and the other arm curled around her head. She went on growing. As a last resource, she put one arm out of the window and one foot up the chimney and said to herself, Now I can do no more. Whatever happens, what will become of me? Luckily for Alice, the little magic bottle had now had its full effect, and she grew no larger. Still, it was very uncomfortable, and as there seemed to be no sort of chance of her ever getting out of the room again, no wonder she felt unhappy. That was much pleasanter at home, thought poor Alice, when one wasn't always growing larger and smaller and 
being ordered about by mice and rabbits. I almost wish I hadn't gone down that rabbit hole, and yet, and yet, it's rather curious, you know, this sort of life. I do wonder what can have happened to me. When I used to read fairy tales, I fancied that kind of thing never happened. And now here I am in the middle of one. There ought to be a book written about me, that there ought. And when I grow up, I'll write one. But I'm grown up now, she added in a sorrowful tone. At least there's no room to grow up any more here. But then, thought Alice, shall I never get any older than I am now? That'll be a comfort one way, never to be an old woman, but then always to have lessons to learn. Oh, I shouldn't like that. Oh, you foolish Alice, she answered herself. How can you learn lessons in here? Why, there's hardly room for you and no room at all for lesson books. And so she went on, taking first one side and then the other, and making quite a conversation of it all together. But after a few minutes, she heard a voice outside and stopped to listen. Mary Ann, Mary Ann, said the voice. Fetch me my gloves this moment. Then came a little pattering of feet on the stairs. Alice knew it was a white rabbit coming to look for her, and she trembled till she shook the house, quite forgetting that she was now about a thousand times as large as the rabbit, and had no reason to be afraid of it. Presently, the rabbit came up to the door and tried to open it, but as the door opened inwards, and Alice's elbow was pressed hard against it, that attempt proved a failure. Alice heard it say to itself, "'Well, then I'll go round and get in at the window.' Well, that she won't, thought Alice, and after waiting till she fancied she heard the rabbit just under the window, she suddenly spread out her hand and made a snatch in the air. She did not get hold of anything, but she heard a little shriek and a fall and a crash of broken glass, from which she concluded that it was just possible it had fallen into a cucumber frame or something of that sort. Next came an angry voice, the rabbit's, Pat, Pat, where are you? And then a voice she had never heard before, Sure then, I'm here, digging for apples, your honor. Oh, digging for apples indeed, said the rabbit angrily. Here, come and help me out of this. Sounds of more broken glass. Now tell me, Pat, what's that in the window? Sure, it's an arm, your honor. He pronounced it arm. An arm, you goose. Why, whoever saw one that size? Why, it fills the whole window. Sure it does, your honor, but it's an arm for all that. Well, it's got no business there at any rate. Go and take it away. There was a long silence after this, and Alice could only hear whispers now and then, such as, Sure, I don't like it, Your Honor, not at all. Do as I tell you, you coward. And at last she spread out her hand again and made another snatch in the air. This time there were two little shrieks and more sounds of broken glass. What a number of cucumber frames there must be, thought Alice. I wonder what they'll do next. As for pulling me out of the window, I only wish they could. I'm sure I don't want to stay in here any longer. She waited for some time without hearing anything more. At last came a rumbling of little cartwheels and the sound of a good many voices all talking together. She made out the words, Where's the other ladder? Why, well, I hadn't to bring one. Bill's got the other. Bill, fetch it here, lad. Here, put them up at this corner. Oh, time together first. They don't reach half high enough yet. Oh, they'll do well enough. They'll be t particular. Here, Bill, catch hold of this rope. Ooh, will the roof bear? Mind that loose slate? Oh, it's coming down. Heads below. A loud crash. Now, who did that? Well, it was Bill, I fancy. Who's to go down the chimney? Nay, I shan't. You do it. Oh, that I won't, then. Bill's got to go down. Here, Bill. The master says you've got to go down the chimney. Oh, so Bill's got to come down the chimney, has he? Said Alice to herself. Why, they seem to put everything upon Bill. I wouldn't be in Bill's place for a good deal. This fireplace is narrow, to be sure, but I think I can kick a little. She drew her foot down as far as the chimney as she could and waited till she heard a little animal. She couldn't guess of what sort it was, scratching and scrambling about in the chimney close above here. Then, saying to herself, 
This is Bill. She gave one sharp kick and waited to see what would happen next. The first thing she heard was a general chorus of, There goes Bill. Then the rabbit's voice alone, Catch him! You by the hedge! Then silence, and then another confusion of voices. Oh, hold up his head. Brandy now. Don't choke him. Oh, how was it, old fellow? What happened to you? Tell us about it. Last came a little feeble, squeaking voice. That's Bill, thought Alice. Well, I hardly know. No more, thank you. I'm better now. But I'm a deal too flustered to tell you all I know is something comes at me like a jack-in-the-box and I goes up like a skyrocket. Well, so you did, old fellow, said the others. We must burn the house down, said the rabbit's voice, and Alice called out as loud as she could. If you do, I'll set Dinah at you. There was a dead silence instantly, and Alice thought to herself, I wonder what they will do next. If they had any sense, they'd take the roof off. After a minute or two, they began moving about again, and Alice heard the rabbit say, A barrowful will do to begin with. A barrowful of what? thought Alice. But she had not long to doubt, for the next moment a shower of little pebbles came rattling in at the window, and some of them hit her in the face. Oh, I'll put a stop to this, she said to herself, and shouted out, You'd better not do that again! which produced another dead silence. Alice noticed with some surprise that the pebbles were all turning into little cakes as they lay on the floor, and a bright idea came into her head. Well, if I eat one of these cakes, she thought, it's sure to make some change in my size, and as it can't possibly make me larger, it must make me smaller, I suppose. So she swallowed one of the cakes and was delighted to find that she began shrinking directly. As soon as she was small enough to get through the door, she ran out of the house and found quite a crowd of little animals and birds waiting outside. The poor little lizard, Bill, was in the middle, being held up by two guinea pigs, who were giving it something out of a bottle. They all made a rush at Alice the moment she appeared, but she ran off as hard as she could and soon found herself safe in a thick wood. The first thing I've got to do, said Alice to herself as she wandered about in the wood, is to grow to my right size again, and the second thing is to find my way into that lovely garden. I think that will be the best plan. It sounded an excellent plan, no doubt, and very neatly and simply arranged. The only difficulty was that she had not the smallest idea how to set about it, and while she was peering about anxiously among the trees, a little sharp bark just over her head made her look up in a great hurry. An enormous puppy was looking down at her with large round eyes and feebly stretching out one paw, trying to touch her. "'Poor little thing,' said Alice in a coaxing tone. And she tried hard to whistle to it, but she was terribly frightened all the time at the thought that it might be hungry, in which case it would be very likely to eat her up in spite of all her coaxing. Hardly knowing what she did, she picked up a little bit of stick and held it out to the puppy, whereupon the puppy jumped into the air off all its feet at once with a yelp of delight and rushed at the stick and made believe to worry it. Then Alice dodged behind a great thistle to keep herself from being run over, and the moment she appeared on the other side, the puppy made another rush at the stick and tumbled head over heels in its hurry to get hold of it. Then Alice, thinking it was very like having a game of play with a cart horse and expecting every moment to be trampled under its feet, ran round the thistle again. Then the puppy began a series of short charges at the stick, running a very little way forwards each time and a long way back and barking hoarsely all the while till at last it sat down a good way off, panting with its tongue hanging out of its mouth and its great eyes half shut. This seemed to Alice a good opportunity for making her escape, so she shut off at once and ran till she was quite tired and out of breath, until the puppy's bark sounded quite faint in the distance. And yet what a dear little puppy it was, said Alice, as she leant against a buttercup to rest herself and fanned herself with one of the leaves. 
I should have liked teaching it tricks very much if, if I'd only been the right size to do it. Oh, dear. I'd nearly forgotten that I've got to grow up again. Let me see. How is it to be managed? I suppose I had to eat or drink something or other, but the great question is what? The great question certainly was what. Alice looked all around her at the flowers and the blades of grass, but she could not see anything that looked like the right thing to eat or drink under the circumstances. There was a large mushroom growing near her, and about the same height as herself, and when she had looked under it, and on both sides of it, and behind it, it occurred to her that she might as well look and see what was on the top of it. She stretched herself up on tiptoe and peeped over the edge of the mushroom, and her eyes immediately met those of a large blue caterpillar that was sitting on the top, with its arms folded, quietly smoking a long hookah, and taking not the smallest notice of her or of anything else. Yeah, that's not exactly a cliffhanger plot-wise, but I bet you are all dying to get to the next chapter, what with this introduction of the very iconic hookah-smoking caterpillar. One of the many books I use for researching this podcast is called The Logic of Alice, Clear Thinking in Wonderland by Bernard Patton. Like almost everyone else who writes a book analyzing Alice's adventures in Wonderland, he goes chapter by chapter and gives notes, except that he hates this chapter. He thinks it's slapsticky, and he hates it so much that he pretty much skips it, which I found hilarious. Can you just do that? I mean, it's his book. He can do whatever he wants, but that's akin to, I don't even know, what's something more iconic than Alice in Wonderland. It's akin to writing a book on Hamlet and leaving out the part about the ghost because, eh, frankly, it strains credulity a little bit. Anyway, Mr. Patton finds very little logic in this chapter and has very little to say about it. I personally have a lot to say about it. What's fun about chapter four, the rabbit sends in a little bill, is that we get some wordplay before the chapter even begins. From the title, it sounds like a, the white rabbit is going to issue someone a bill, perhaps for some goods or services, but instead, the bill he sends in is actually a lizard. There's a delightful illustration from this chapter of poor little Bill being launched out of the chimney, and he is indeed a lizard. Bill is a bit of a fan favorite amongst Alice aficionados, I think because he's just so hapless, as Alice says. Why, they seem to put everything upon Bill. I wouldn't be in Bill's place for a good deal. The chapter starts with the white rabbit mistaking Alice for his maid. In the process, he calls her Marianne. Before I started this whole podcast and started taking organized notes, I read somewhere that Marianne is some sort of Victorian slang for housemaid. I have found nothing to support this. In fact, I have found that Marianne means something quite different in Victorian slang. So frankly, I'm not sure why I brought it up. What almost certainly is slang, however, is Pat. We never see Pat. He might be one of the guinea pigs. We're not sure. But the use of Pat is very likely slang for Irishman. He speaks with an accent, which I butchered. Uh, that was Lewis Carroll specifying how he said arm for arm, not me. And when the white rabbit calls out to him, Pat is digging for apples. And apparently in Victorian times, the term Irish apples was slang for potatoes. I have no idea how offensive these Victorian slang words are or aren't, by the way. So I maybe wouldn't introduce them into casual conversation. Don't go to your Irish grandfather's house and yell, hey, Pat, make me some mashed Irish apples. I can't guarantee that'll go over well. So, 
The rabbit mistakes Alice for his maid and snaps at her to fetch his gloves and fan. She goes off running to find them and immediately comes upon his conveniently labeled house. I'm always surprised, by the way, to hear people say that the white rabbit is their favorite character. He's kind of a sniveling little guy who obviously isn't very nice to his underlings. He is cute in the illustrations, though. While Alice is rummaging through the white rabbit's things, she comes across a bottle and just immediately starts drinking it. She's all in at this point. And she quickly grows so large that she has to kind of lie down with her head pressed against the ceiling with various limbs sticking out of the house. This sets up a very funny passage, at least I think it's funny, unlike that logic book author, in which the rabbit and his employees try to figure out a way to get her out of the house. They all talk at once. I'm sure I didn't do justice to all the different voices, and it's just a hoot. By the way, the cucumber frame that is mentioned, I'm pretty sure is like a little mini greenhouse for growing vegetables. So Rabbit and company finally decide to throw pebbles at her through the window. Since this is Wonderland, the pebbles turn into cakes, which she eats because who wouldn't eat tiny cakes that have fallen to the floor? And she begins shrinking until she is small enough to run out the door. What happens next may seem innocuous, but it has stumped Alice readers for ages. Alice comes across a puppy who acts like a puppy. The puppy barks, he chases a stick, he gets tired, he takes a nap, he behaves exactly as you'd expect a puppy to behave. Now this may not seem strange at first, but I want you to think about every animal we've met in Wonderland so far. We've got a talking, waistcoat-wearing rabbit, a swimming bilingual mouse, an entire menagerie of birds and crustaceans and quarrelsome critters, a brandy-drinking lizard, concerned guinea pigs. Every Wonderland animal Alice has come across until this point possesses the gift of speech. Many are jauntily attired. A select few exhibit evidence of higher education. All in all, they're a pretty remarkable lot. So what business does this puppy have showing up and acting like a puppy. Needless to say, there have been many hypotheses over the years. Some believe that Alice's growing big and small symbolizes her being caught between the worlds of childhood and adulthood, and that her inability to enjoy the puppy as a normal child would is evidence of that. I don't really buy that one. Uh, Others think this chapter is kind of phoned in, and the puppy-like puppy is Lewis Carroll just being a lazy writer. Some theorize that the puppy doesn't get to act like all the other Wonderland animals because Lewis Carroll did not like dogs. That last one is obviously pretty weak. Now, what do I think of the Alice in Wonderland puppy? I'm glad you asked because I have it figured out. I know exactly why he acts like a puppy, and I can't believe no one has figured it out before. But I can't tell you. I can't tell you yet because I promise not to give any spoilers and to tell you my theory, I need to quote something from much later in the book, so you will have to wait. If you already know Alice's Adventures in Wonderland backwards and forwards and you want to know my brilliant, 100% accurate theory, I wrote a blog post on it last August, so you can go to Alice's Everywhere and click on the blog and find it there. Now, the very last thing that happens in Chapter 4 Alice lays her eyes on the caterpillar. Not coincidentally, chapter 5 is entitled Advice from a Caterpillar, and we will read that next time. Again, I urge you to check out the accompanying blog posts on aliceseverywhere.com, and if I don't see you online, talk soon.